at this moment, we would like to welcome up a few of our teens for um, a few of their own testimonies. Hello, FCC Church. I'm Maya Hasey, and I've got a few testimonies to share with you. So, first things first, it's a testimony that I'm even up here being able to do this. I mean, like, me two years ago, we have never came up here in the first place. They would have been like, no, I'm not going to do a testimony. No, thank you. But I was like, heck yeah, let's do this. And here I am, and I'm not shaking or stirring or anything. And that's pretty cool. And, you know, other testimonies I have is about, like, the quarantine. So, first of all, with the quarantine, there's been a lot of bad stuff happening, and it's not real good. But for me, it's blessed me in some ways. For example, I've gotten, like, less pressure from school. So I've gotten less schoolwork, and it's, they've been, like, less on my back to get it done. They've been like, hey, you can do it on your own time. It's okay. Stuff's hard right now. And because of this, I've been able to read my Bible more consistently. Like, I'm fo- currently following the New Testament, and I believe tonight I'm going to be reading Second uh, Timothy. That should be pretty cool. And there's another thing, though. You see, before quarantine started, I was taking a business class. If you've ever taken a business class before, you know the struggle it can be. I was very scared that I wasn't going to pass it, but I did. I passed it. I s- I have no clue how I passed it. I mean, yes, I do. That's not true. God helped me. It was only through God that I passed that business class. It, it was a miracle. I'm not, I'm not joking at all. That was a very hard business class. And one last thing I got to share with you people. So I was not even going to share this before, but then my mom talked to me, and I was like, hey, I got to share this with the people. So they got to know this. So for those of you who don't know, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. I need to be able to get, like, the best grades. I got to get that A. And if I don't, I have a tendency to, like, get really upset. This is because um, I kind of associate my worth with my grades. Like, in order to be worthy, I need to get that good grade. But I want to tell you people, this isn't true. Your worth isn't your grades. You're worth much more than whatever grades you get, whether you succeed or whether you fail every day. You're worth more than that. And that's all I want to share with you. Bye. Well, I have one testimony, unlike Maya. So um, basically about three to four years ago, I was in a... I was in a car on my way to a petting zoo with my sister and her friend and my sister's friend's father. So he was driving us, and a blizzard had just hit the t- had just hit the town I live in, and so we were coming up to this this um, intersection, and what happened was we had the green light, so we kept going, but this this truck was coming in fast, and it tried to stop for the red light, but due to the roads being slippery, it kind of slid past and it t-boned us, so. We kind of slid over into a um, snowbank, and as soon as we stopped, I turned around, I looked over at my sister and her friend just to make sure they were okay, and I just sat there for a second, and I just realized that none of us were hurt, and I later found out that the person who actually hit us wasn't hurt either at, at, in any way. So after that, I realized that we were protected by God, and his protection 
made sure not only that we were alive during that car crash, but completely and totally unscathed. Um, actually found out that the car that we were in was totaled. So the fact that we weren't, we weren't even hurt in any way was just, was just great. And I fully believe that God um, protected us during that time. And keeping in the idea and keeping in the glory of God, we're going, I'd like to invite up Pastor Mike, and he's going to give the word. Thank you, Everett. Good evening, everyone. Praise the Lord. Oh, there we are. Taking a look at used to the red lights here, so bear with me. But before I get into the word, I want to uh, first thank our D2L worship team. They did such an awesome job, and I, I just, I'm just so thankful that we're able to see the anointing flowing through their lives. And so we want to thank the Lord for that. And I um, also want to thank Maya and um, Everett for coming up and sharing their, their heart. I know it's not easy to come up here and share this, especially live stream. Uh, but what a wonderful uh, example of God working in, in our young people's lives and it's such a tremendous thing because by them being up here, they're actually giving God the glory. So we want to thank you for that as well. Praise the Lord. I also want to thank all of our viewers here tonight as well. Thank you for joining us. Um, we want you to relax, sit back, and enjoy what God has for you. Uh, God is not done for this evening and um, and I'm just going to be just uh, just for a few minutes uh, to share something. This is probably going to be the shortest message and probably the shortest service service in the FCC history. So bear with me. But uh, tonight I want to talk to you uh, on a very important subject, a very important question. And the whole evening we'll be answering this very important question. And that question is, why are you so important to God? And so if you are out there, you're watching this program, join with me, those that are here also tonight, join with me as we go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness and mercy and grace. We thank you, Father God, for this evening. We thank you for our youth, Lord God, that we're able to be used of you, Father God, in such a wonderful way. Father, we thank you, Father, for this evening as you... Fill this place with your presence. We thank you for guiding my words. Words that come through my lips, Father God, let it be your perfect will. We thank you, Father God, for working this evening, Father God, for your glory and your honor. We thank you for being in this place, ministering to those that are watching, Lord God, live. And we thank you for speaking through the cameras into their homes and into their hearts. And Lord, for this we thank you. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen and amen. When you take a $100 bill and you crumple it, you squash it, crush it, step on it, even spit on it, it's still worth a $100 bill. And that's because the value of it is not determined by what happens to it, but is determined by the one who consigns it. So, if it's worth a $100 bill, and if, it's, if it says it's a $100 bill, then it's worth a $100 bill. The government, when they tell you that it's worth a $100 bill, then it doesn't matter what you do to it, it's still worth 
a hundred dollar bill. Even though it has been mistreated, even though it's been stomped on, even though it's been spit on, it's still worth a hundred dollar bill. There are many Christians today that have felt in their lives that they've been neglected, crushed, stomped on, rejected, ignored, abused, taken for granted, cast aside. But it's, it's worth, or their worth, is, does not affect what happens to them because the value of their lives has already been determined by someone else. And that person is God. God has already determined your value. And so tonight I want to answer the question, why are we so valuable to God? And I'm going to provide three answers that will answer that question effectively. So if you have your Bibles with you, go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, and we'll begin there. The first answer to the question, why are you so valuable to God, is because of who you are. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for God, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now it says, for we, meaning we the believers, are his workmanship. Another translation says his masterpiece. Now when you think about masterpiece, you can't help but to think of the many wonderful artwork that has been done by some of the greatest important people in the world. One that comes to mind is the Mona Lisa, one of the most famous artwork there is. And it's interesting because last year in April, this piece of artwork, this masterpiece, was estimated to cost or to be worth $2.67 billion. And if you can imagine that, $2.67 billion. That's what this is worth. But what's so fascinating about any artwork, especially of the Mona Lisa, is that the, master, or the value of the masterpiece is determined by the person who made it or who painted it. You, know, you would think that the work itself is valuable, but it's the person that did it that, is, that makes it such a valuable piece. And it's just like Picasso Da Vinci, uh, think of others, Rembrandt, Van Gogh, all of them have done some great work. But their work, is the, the value of their work is determined by the author or by the creator. So just like Picasso, just like Da Vinci, our value is determined by who made us. Glory to God. So when people, what people say about you, what people say about your family, what people say about your choices, what people say about your, your lifestyle does not determine your worth. The, the amount that is found on your pay stub does not, is, does not amount, uh, determine your worth. What people say about you, what, what people, uh, tr- how people treat you, whether because of your language, whether it's because of your, your culture or your race, does not determine your worth. And that's because God has already determined what you are worth. God has already determined your value. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 18. We have worth not because of anything we've done, but because of who created us. When God created the heavens and the earth and created uh, an environment that was suitable for, uh, for man, now God was ready to create man. 
But first he had to create everything. He had to create the heavens and the earth. Just like a person building a house. It's for the purpose of being inhabited. And that's what we see here in verse, four, uh, verse 18 of Isaiah 45. It says this. For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, but who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Another translation says it was created not to be empty, but to be inhabited. And again, going back to the analogy of a house, when you see a house being built, you see the foundation, you see them putting up the framework, then you put the walls, the roof, the doors, and then the stairs, then you go inside and they put the floor, the ceiling, and all these things. But all that is built, this house is built not so it can be empty, but for the purpose of being inhabited. And so, when God created the heavens and the earth, it's for the purpose of man. And so this is what I want you to understand. This is what I want you to get. Everything that God, everything's already set in place. Now everything was ready. Now God was ready to create man. Now go to Genesis chapter 1. And we go in verse 26. Now God is ready to create man. He says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over the, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on this earth. And what's interesting here is this. When God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible says that he spoke it into existence. But when it came to man, God used another approach. God used a more personal approach. Because if you go to Genesis chapter 2, which is the next chapter, and in verse 7, we see where it says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. So I can just picture God taking dirt, piling it up, shaping and molding it and piling it up even higher and shaping and molding it until finally it becomes like his image and likeness. Then he breathes life into it and becomes a living soul, a living being. So man became a living being and breathing and became just after God's likeness and image. What's interesting also is this. People love to sew. And when they sew, they usually sew after a pattern. For instance, if they're going to make a, a, these days they've been making masks. Several years ago when my wife and I were, were preparing for a wedding, and most of you know that if, you know, when you're getting ready for a wedding, it's a very stressful time for many. But we were getting ready for a wedding, and then my wife decided to sew the dresses of all the bridesmaids, as well as the maid of honor. We're talking about five women now. Five women of different sizes and different shapes. But my wife was able to sew all uh, five dresses using a pattern. If it hadn't been for the pattern, she wouldn't have been able to do that. But all the dresses that she had made, all five of them, came out exactly the way the pattern was. That's amazing. God did the same thing with us. When he created us, he chose the perfect pattern, which was himself, his image and his likeness. And he created us and molded us using a personal approach to create us to be just like him. He not only took a personal approach, but God also took the greatest care to mold and shape us. Go to Psalm 139 and verses 13 and 14. We read this from the New Living Translation. God took great care when shaping us 
while in our mother's womb. It says this in verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Another translation says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And he says, your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. So even before God created the heavens and the earth, and even before God even thought about creating us, before anything else happened, you and I were God's focus of his love and creation. Everything that God did was for us. Everything that he prepared for us was for us. And I want you to understand this because look what he says in Ephesians chapter 1 and in verse 4. It says this, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So we see that God's plan to create us began to formulate in his infinite mind before he created the universe. So we were his entire focus. God made us to be the priority and purpose of his creation. And again, I want you to see this. The heavens and the earth was important, but it was all for the purpose of creating man. Because we're talking about why we're so valuable to God is because of who we are. So as he created us with the greatest of care, using the, uh, a personal approach and using the perfect image and likeness, the perfect pattern, God has brought value into our lives because of who we are, and that is we are his masterpiece. Come on now. His masterpiece. We are valuable because we have been created by him. That's what makes, that's what brings value to us. So we have worth, not because of anything we've done, but because of the fact that we were created. The second answer that I want to provide for you tonight to answer the important question, why are you so valuable to God, is because of what you cost. Go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 26. While you're turning there, in verse 25, Jesus starts out by saying, take no thought for your life. What you should drink, what you should eat, and what you should wear. I remember one of our youth, uh, Manny, as a matter of fact, every Wednesday, our young men get together by way of Zoom and we do Bible studies. And every young man takes, tar- uh, takes a turn to lead the Bible study. And uh, I remember he was sharing from this particular verse on Matthew 6.25 when he talked about how, when Jesus said, take no thought for your life. And he made a reference, he says, everybody worries about something. And it's true. People are worried about everything. People are worried about the virus. People are worried about their children. People are worried about their bills. People are worried about their jobs. People are worried about their their marriage. Everybody's worried about something. But Jesus says, take no thought for your life. Don't be so overly anxious. Don't be so concerned and so worried. And here's why. Because in verse 26, it said this. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. He says, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? There it is right there. He said it himself. His very own words saying that we are value to him. He says that the birds, as small as they are, they don't have jobs. They don't pay bills. They don't put money in their bank. They don't, they don't do any of that. But they, they, they depend on God's providence every day. But yet God says, are you not more valuable than the birds? In other words, you are so valuable that I'm willing to take care of you so you don't have to worry about a thing. Because I got you. I've got your back. 
And that's just a wonderful thing. We are so valuable because of who it is that says that we are valuable. And who tells us that we're valuable? Jesus himself. And if that's what Jesus says, I believe him because he is truth. And if he says that you're valuable, then you can believe that because Jesus says himself. That's his very words. Now go to Ephesians chapter 1. And let's look at verse 5. Because as one who is loved and valued by God, we've also been chosen by God for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. He says in Ephesians 1 and verse 5 in the New Living Translation, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. The reason why we have so many adoption agency throughout the whole world is because we have children who are motherless and fatherless. We have children who've lost their whole entire family. We have children that have been unwanted. We have children that have been abandoned and neglected. We have children who have no parents to love them and to raise them up. I knew this couple who were very close friends of ours a long time ago. They couldn't have children. So they decided to adopt a child. Now, I don't know if anyone has ever been through something like that, but watching them and watching their experiences, adopting a child can be a very long and costly process, especially if you're adopting a child out of the country. And so, and this also doesn't come with, uh, with guarantees because it can very, be a very stressful and emotional time. Well, this couple decided to uh, adopt a child. And this is probably the third attempt. It's been, it's been a long time, so I, I don't remember all the details, but I do remember this. They, they uh, failed at one, once or twice to, to uh, adopt a child. But the third time, they decided to go to Brazil. And I remember how long the process was, but I also remember how costly it was. But here's the thing. They were so determined to have a child that they were willing to pay the price they were willing to pay the cost and go through the process no matter how long or how difficult it was because they wanted a child and thank god they were able to leave the country with a baby girl but i want you to see this they were determined to have that child no matter what it cost (coughs) excuse me not only does god call us to be sons and daughters not only is he willing to adopt us into his family and into his household, but listen to this, watch this. God is also ready to assume all parental responsibility for raising children. Man, I'll tell you, that is such an awesome thing. God is not going to be a deadbeat dad. God is not going to be a, neg- a dad that will neglect his children. God is not going to be a dad that's going to spend more time watching sports and less time listening and talking to us. He is willing to assume all parental responsibility because he adopted us and he called us his sons. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. Romans 8 and verse 15 in the New Living Translation, it says this, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, or Our Father. 
You see, God had assumed and stepped in and decided, I'm going to be your father and you're going to be my children and I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to be there for you. That is such an awesome thing to know that God is willing to take on that parental role and be our father. Amen. So this adoption, however, came at a high cost, at a terrible price. In, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20, you don't need to turn there, but for your own references, it's 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20 where it says that we were bought at a price. Then in Acts 20 and verse 28 tells us what that price was. It says that we were purchased with his own blood. So this adoption cost God quite a bit because we are so valuable to God. We are so valuable to, to our Father that He was willing to give up and sacrifice His most prized possession, and that is His Son, to save us from eternal punishment and from eternal destruction. That's why I can appreciate what John 3.16 says, at least the first part of that verse, where it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Hallelujah. So we are valuable to God because of who we are and because of what we cost. The third answer to the question, why are we so valuable to God, is this. Because of what you can become. Go to Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. It's a very famous and very well-known and very popular verse. Because we're loved of God and because we've been adopted into his family, having paid a very ultimate and high cost, you can be sure that God has every good intentions for you. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, in the New Living Translation, it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. It is God's intention, it always has been God's intention all along, to give you a, a, a life that has meaning and purpose. He wants us to have a, a, a very good and very prosperous and profitable future and a hope. This was God's plan all along. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. He says, Furthermore, because we are unified with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For He chose us in advance and He makes everything work out according to his plan now if you're sitting out there watching this i want you to say this with me i want you to say the word everything he says he makes everything work out according to his plan now keep in mind that if we are not cooperative with god if we're not willing to obey god god is not going to make anything work out according to his plan the bible says that we are co-laborers with god that means we work as a team imagine Coming against a formidable team, a team that is powerful, a team that is better than you, a team that is much stronger than you. But when you face that team, you got God on your side. You got God on your team. That makes us even more formidable. But understand this, every team member has a role, like any sport. Not everyone can catch the ball. Not everyone can throw the ball. Certain individuals are assigned to a certain role. But God is our captain, and he's the power and the force of our team. So whenever we face challenges, whenever we face 
Anything that is difficult, we have God on our side to overcome it. But we work together hand in hand. We work together as a team. So therefore, we must cooperate with God. We must obey God and walk in faith, trusting in him in everything that we do. Then he'll make everything work out according to his plan. And the fact that he has a plan tells us how the, the, the reason why God had created us. It tells us how God has every good intentions for us. And so and that's, that's such an exciting thing. But you know what? There are some people who have a hard time imagining that God has special use for them. And that's because they don't realize how much valuable they really are. But no matter what we go through in life, no matter what people say about you, no matter what situation you find yourself in, none of these things will interfere with what God has for you. None of these things will interfere with what God has because God wants you to become all that he intended for you to become. That's his plan. That's his purpose. Not to be what you want to be. Not to become what you want to become. But to become what he intended for you to become. That's why you're so valuable. Romans 8 and verse 28 says this. And we know that God causes everything, there's that word again, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. When he says that God causes everything to work together, I picture, and we've all experienced this before. We've had days where things just didn't work out. Things, uh, our life becomes a mess. Things just doesn't, everything's all upside down. And we wonder, how in the world can we get out of this? How, you know, we tend to lose focus. We tend to take our eyes off of God and eyes, take our eyes off the prize. But the Bible said that God can cause everything to work together for your good. God can take what's upside down and turn it back right side up. God can turn things around no matter what situation you, you're in. Because that's the way God works. He works everything out just for your good because of the value that you have. God has planned for us to become witnesses in this world. God has planned for us to become victorious over sin. God has planned for us to become conquerors over strongholds in our lives. God has planned for us to become holy as he is holy. God has planned for us to become ambassadors for Christ. God has planned for us to become lovers of all mankind, regardless of race, color, whatever the culture is. He's called us to be a lovers of all mankind. God has planned for us to become preachers of the gospel throughout this world. God has planned for us to become shakers and movers in this world. God has planned for us to become profitable servants for his kingdom. Now I want to close with this. There was a gentleman by the name of Oscar Cervantes. He was Hispanic. And he is a perfect example of not only God's ability to transform lives, but also an example of God's demonstration of how much value he has to a person, in a person, regardless of what the circumstances are. But Oscar, and keep in mind that God, you are so valuable to God that, that he was willing to pay the ultimate price just for you. Well, Oscar, as a child, was always getting into trouble. A lot. As he got older, this pattern of behavior continued into his, his adulthood, causing him to be uh, jailed at least 17 times. <coughs> Excuse me. And when he was in prison, 
the, the, the doctors, the psychiatrists, the prison psychiatrists would evaluate him and said that this man is beyond help. What he was really saying is that this man is of no value to society. But because he was in and out of prison, there was time, there was very brief time when he would be outside and free and running around in the streets. But one day when he was in the brief moment when he was out of jail and out in the streets, he ran into this elderly man who began to talk to him about the Lord Jesus. He was so impressed by the Lord Jesus and, 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 and the, the, what Jesus had done for him that he opened up his heart and gave his life over to the Lord and began to trust in him. God was able to transform this man, this man who, and keep in mind that because of the time that, the many times that he went into prison was for brutal crimes. Uh, this man was very violent. This man was brutal. But because he gave his life to the Lord, he was able to transform him into, from a, a violent, dangerous man to a very kind and caring individual. Now, if you can even imagine that. But, and soon after that, he started a prison ministry. And so as he began his prison ministry, one of the chaplains began to describe what this prison ministry was like, what his service was like. He began to describe it. He says that every third Saturday night of every month would be called Oscar night. And, and, and this was in Soldat Prison. And Soldat State Prison is one of the most notorious prisons in the country, and it's out in California. These, this prison housed some of the most dangerous and some of the most violent men in the world. And so these are the people he was dealing with. But according to the chaplain, he said this. He said, Oscar night was like this. Uh, he said, all of these inmates, both dangerous and non-dangerous, violent and non-violent, would come and see Oscar to listen to him speak. He said, when they were worshiping God and, and singing praise and worship, these men would, would, would sing with intent and with passion. I mean, they would just put their whole feelings into it. And again, keep in mind, we're talking about dangerous men. But when they got there on Oscar night, they began to worship the Lord freely and with, with every emotion and with every feeling. And after the praise and worship, these men would sit quietly and intently for over two hours to listen to the message from Oscar. Then at the end of the service, these men will come up freely. Again, these dangerous, violent men will come up freely without being called upon, without being prompted to come up. They will come on their own to the front of the altar. Needless to say, Oscar had a very tremendous impact on these men. And understand this, professionals considered Oscar beyond help. What they failed to see in Oscar and what they failed to do for Oscar through years of counseling, Christ did in a moment of conversion. Glory to God. No prison could rehabilitate him. No psychiatrist could reform him or re-educate him. But when God got a hold of him, God was able to transform his life, change his life, give him purpose, give him meaning, and set him off course, on course, to become a valuable and profitable man of God. So I, I want you to understand something. God, when he looked at Oscar, he saw great value. He's considered Oscar a very valuable person because of who he is, what he cost, and what he can become. 
And even though everyone had given up on him, even though he'd been in and out of jail, even though he committed some brutal crimes, God still saw value in him because of who he is, what he cost, and what he can become. Oscar's life was transformed because of his faith in Christ Jesus, becoming profitable for the kingdom of God. He was valuable to Christ, and therefore he became valuable for Christ. You and I were created on purpose for a purpose. Are you hearing me? If a king or the president were to give you an endorsement as an extremely valuable member of the society, that would, be, uh, that would carry a lot of weight, wouldn't it? Well, the creator of the universe, the king of all creation, is saying to you tonight, you're valuable to me. You're a valuable member of my kingdom. You're a valuable member of my family. So this value that God has for you and in you should be the same value that you have for yourself. So live your life as though you have value. Live your life as though God has valued your life because whatever you do in life, God's going to make you profitable because how he sees you. Don't worry about what, you, what, what you've been through. Don't worry about what you've done. God is able to change all of that. Why? Because you're such a valuable commodity to him. You are a valuable person to him. And because God has done some wonderful things and, and he's got some great things in store for you. So live like someone that is valued by God and make your life a profitable one for Christ Jesus. Amen. Now as I close, there are some of you that are sitting out there watching this program and maybe you've never heard anyone say that you're valuable to the Lord. Maybe you never heard that you're valuable because of who you are, what you cost, and what you can become. But let me tell you this. Let me share this with, this, with you with this, this thought. Understand that all this can come to pass the way it, it came to pass for Oscar. It started by him giving his life over to you, to, to Christ. Opening up his heart and allowing to come into his life. And that's what Christ wants to do in your life. Because you're such a valuable person. Because you have great value to God. Because of who you are. Because of what you cost. And because of what you can become. So I want to ask you tonight, if you've never given your life to the Lord, I want you to do this with me. I want you to say these words with me. Say it over and mean it with your heart. And again, when you're praying these words, when you're saying these words, I want you to remember in your mind, think that you are valuable. That you have great value to God. So I want you to join me. All those of you who are watching, those of you who are here tonight, close your eyes and just go before the Lord. And I want you to say these words with me. Father God, I ask you to come into my heart and into my life. Forgive me for everything I've done, everything I've said, everything I've thought that is contrary to your will. And Father, I thank you for forming me, changing me, shaping my life and giving me purpose and meaning Lord I thank you that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and I thank you that he was raised from the dead and now seated at the right hand of the Father thank you for finding value in me thank you for considering me a valuable person and now Lord I thank you as I look forward to having a profitable life serving you 
and loving you with all my heart. And for this, I thank you. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, if you said those prayers, I want you to understand this. You are now a member of God's family. He loves you. You're a very valuable person in his, in his kingdom and in his life. And so I want to ask you to do three things to help you to maintain this relationship with God and to help grow your faith. And that's the first thing is to read your Bible every day. I find that if you start in the New Testament, that will help you because now that you have the Holy Spirit within you, He can help you to understand what you're reading. He'll begin to reveal Himself more to you and begin to reveal more of His purpose and plans for your life. So reading your Bible is one thing. Again, praying is the second thing. Pray every day. Praying is like talking to God. Have a, have a conversation with God. If there's no one that you can't talk to, you can certainly talk to God. And I know that sometimes we have things in our lives that we want to share, things that sometimes we want to dump and sometimes we want to rent, something we want to vent. But you can do that with God. God's a good listener. And then the third thing is continue watching this program live stream. And of course, when things get, of course, things are starting slowly to come back to normal again, and we're starting to open up our services, and we certainly encourage you that if you would like to come and visit us, make sure that you register online, go to our website, FCC, uh, faithccenter.com, and um, to register if you want to come and visit, but you need to be involved in a church like this, okay? If it can't be here, you can watch it live stream, we encourage you to do that. And listen, we'd like for you to give us a call. Okay, if, if you want prayer, we certainly have some materials that we like to send to you uh, to help explain your conversion and your decision. Uh, please call us at 508-336-4110. And someone will be there to talk with you, to pray with you, and to send you the materials uh, for this purpose. Thank you again for watching us and watching this program. And we love you. And we ask that God will continue to bless you. And, uh, and again, thank you once again. At this time, I'd like to have Denzel to come up as he close out the service for us. Thank you again. Can everybody please bow their heads as we go in prayer? Thank you, Father God, for this day you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing service and everybody that you've brought together. Thank you that we were able to worship you and praise your name, Lord. Thank you for everything. I pray that you that you will protect us wherever we go, and that you take control of every situation. I leave it all in your hands. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.